Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg Smalley. And I'm Erin Smalley. We've been married 30, almost 31 years, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, this week we're digging into marriage triggers. Now, everyone has buttons that get triggered, especially in marriage. I remember one time our son Garrison and I, we were watching probably March Madness, just weekend full of great basketball. And, and it was late Sunday night to where you came down, just innocently asking him about some project, right? That yeah, he had. he had a huge project due, I knew, on Monday, and yeah. yet he'd watched basketball all weekend. So I was like, Garrison, please tell me your project's done because it's 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. Yeah, it's so... He, you know, he says, no, I'll, but I'll do it here. We're almost done with this. And you're like, nope, you're done watching. Go upstairs. And why I chose to enter into this discussion, I still to this day don't know why. But I just said something like, hey, Aaron, I think you're being a little rough on the boy. And it was like those scary movies to where, you know, the this, the the doll's head turns all the way around, right, staring at me. And your words were, Garrison, you can go upstairs. Your dad and I need to talk. And I was like, no, why? We were, we were having such a fun time. Well, we ended up having this discussion for maybe the next hour. Yes. And what I remember was definitely what got us into this discussion was that our buttons got triggered. Mm-hmm. I think that that I felt probably controlled because I'd invested all weekend in these games to get to this place to it was the last game, most important game to watch, you know, of this tournament. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling Garrison, my watching buddy, that he's got to go and leave me. So I think I just felt like that's unfair. And why are you punishing me? And that you're trying to control me. And so that I think that's what was going yeah. on for me. Well, I felt totally invalidated because yeah, I was like, our sense. son has homework. And when you refuted that, I mean, it just triggered all that. It's a it's a common button, a common trigger for me that, you know, what I am thinking, what I'm feeling doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's boy, over 31 years of marriage, that those dynamics, mm-hmm. those buttons getting triggered has created quite a bit of conflict. And yeah. we actually, we have a marriage assessment that could really help you pinpoint how you and your spouse, how you guys are doing as you face conflict. So one of the the things that we're looking at on that assessment mm-hmm. is your ability to manage conflict. So it'll show you what you're strong in mm-hmm. and then some growth areas and conflict, communication, you know, time together, how we make decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the those are on there. And so it's a great way. And we'll, we'll add the link to the show notes. Yeah. And somehow, some way we did work that out with Garrison. Garrison did get his project done and we did um, reach a place of really managing those triggers. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that on today's show. And we've got some really good segments coming up. You know, later on, our correspondent, Courtney Request, she'll share how people around the ministry deal with conflicts. Ooh, I You're going to hear yeah, that. <laughs> a little insight into how do people that focus on family who should know how to handle conflict, how do they deal with that? You know, we're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she stop feeling so discouraged after a fight? Mm. And kind of like we did after our basketball argument. <laughs> but first, Greg had a great conversation with our friends Guy and Amber Leah about how they worked through their marriage triggers. They're authors who have amazing stories to share. So let's listen to the conversation with Guy and Amber. 
when you guys talk about, um, you know, how you can then become the right spouse for a husband and wife, I'm hearing seeking harmony, help us to understand like, yeah, what does that look like? How do you really become that right spouse for your husband or wife? Well, I, I think one of the best things we can do is to really take every thought captive, make it obedient unto Christ, and consider what are we thinking about mm. our spouse. Mm. It's very easy to assume the worst or to start to have these little nagging thoughts, these little triggers in our head that set us off down a spiral. So one thing that I always like to say is when you give your spouse the benefit of the doubt, you receive the benefits, right? So it's always coming to them, being kind of open and curious, like, when you said that, this is kind of how I started to interpret it. Am I right about that or, or am I wrong? You know, I was I don't want I don't want to assume things about my spouse. I want them to give me the benefit of the doubt in every situation, whether it's my tone of voice or something I've done or not done. I want to always be benevolent and generous, not just with my time or, you know, my money, but even with my thought life toward my spouse. And so for Guy and I to both like if you're both coming together believing the best about one another and seeking to be clear and understand each other, it, it removes a lot of friction and a lot of harm. That's a great perspective. I know when I think about um, grace in marriage, um, it's kind of what, what you guys are talking about. In my mind, grace in marriage is when I choose to see who Aaron has been over the course of our 30 you know plus years together Versus how she's showing up in that moment, because as you guys know, I mean, there there's moments man, I show up right. in in awful ways. I show up in ugly ways. I mean, Aaron does as well. It is so helpful for me to think about. Okay, I know who Aaron has been over the course of thirty years. I know her. This is not her. This is a moment versus a a defining characteristic of who she is. And you're right, giving each other the benefit of the doubt that does create that connection that requires humility. So I, I love that because, Guy, you you talk about, you know, the, the triggers, you know, that the, there's lots of triggers within marriage. What are some of the big ones that you guys have had to uh, to really learn how to manage? You know, certainly, I think um, for me, it was Amber's expectations versus me and, and kind of what, what I expect and see in out of marriage. And, and I think in the beginning, I was not very good about listening to the things that Amber needed. Um, I was terrible, especially about knowing her love language mm. and finding a way to kind of answer that need for her, um, knowing that it was such an important thing. I, I resisted it for so long because it wasn't my love language and it wasn't something that I was comfortable with. And so I had a real hard time doing something for her without, I guess, kind of expecting something for myself out of that act. Hmm. And it, it took a very, very long time for me to realize that there are times when I need to listen before speaking. I need to hear her not just what she's saying, but what she's feeling. I need to really hear that. Um, and to really try to answer those needs for her, knowing that, again, it, it just will will bring so much 
more to our relationship and into our communication. And I appreciate you saying that because you're right. I mean, I, I go through the same thing. It's I, I try to meet those love language kind of desires that Aaron has in the ways that, that I would like those to be met. Like, it just doesn't make sense why she doesn't want to sit down and just watch an entire football game with me. Like, I mean, inviting her into that feels so loving. It is so confusing to me that she doesn't like that. But you're right. I mean, we it, it, it can be easy to miss what Aaron really wants. And so it's easy for me to, to even not notice that or to invite her to do things that I love to do, which I know for her is a, is a huge trigger. And Amber, you talked about one of your triggers. I, I love how you describe kind of that, that whole messy house was as being one of your triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I am a neat freak. I admit <laughs> that before I had kids, it was easy yeah. for everything to be in its place. Yeah. Four and boys. How when... would you possibly keep your house neat? That's <laughs> right. A, wow. And three of them, three of them were four and under for a season. And so that is just a total tornado uh, waiting to happen. And so for me to be in the house, you know, and and also I was a very capable leader. I had a master's degree in leadership. I was a teacher for a decade where I knew how to run a tight ship with grace and love and everything went smoothly. And then all of a sudden I had kids and there was a mess everywhere. And, And I think part of it too, is I just started to feel resentful, you know, that here I am working so hard trying to manage the kids and the home. And I felt constantly like I was failing in that area. And I didn't like a mess. And Guy didn't like a mess either. I mean, he was pretty gracious about it. But eventually, this was an area where Guy and I had to come together and say, okay, we have to become more of a team on these things that relate to the house and with the kids. Because we had sort of these ideals that, you know, this is my domain, this is your domain, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And it it wasn't working for us in the ages and stages of our lives. And so we had to come together and really communicate and talk and say, okay, if we see a need, we fill a need. It doesn't matter who it is or (laughs) in what what area of the house. So that was really helpful. (laughs) Go ahead, guys. Yeah, and I, I legit, you know, I'd spend my day at work, you know, in the corporate world, and I've got the stress and the pressures and the deadlines, my boss is breathing down my neck and projects that are due and all of these things, and I'd come home at the end of the day after my 12-hour, 14-hour day and walk in the house and expect Amber to just have everything be wonderful and beautiful and, like, dinner's ready and the house is clean. It took me a long time, but I had to step back and go, wait a minute, what is her day like? Like, what is her, when when I'm at the, the coffee machine, getting a, a cup of coffee and laughing with a couple other guys at work, what's Amber doing at home with three kids who two are in diapers and she's, you know, trying to still keep a house nice for me and for the kids and keep a safe environment and keep her own sanity, but she's not talking to friends. She's not, you know, being able to have all those things. So I, I had to make a real switch and realize that honestly, her world was probably a lot more difficult than my, my world. I still had my deadlines and I still had my stresses and all of that, but she did as well. And it took me a long time to have the, the understanding that we both were going through things and that when I walked through that door, I needed to first come in with a loving position for her so that she had somewhere safe to land right in the beginning and I could gain an understanding of kind of what she's been up against for the day, and then I'd know how to jump in and really and really help out. 
I love that. The thought of coming home after a long day and being able to really support each other and really learn what was today like for you. Because, gosh, we face many different things throughout one day, right? We do. And and I love how he really used the word safe. Mm. Because, you know, when, when we're dealing with conflict and our buttons have been triggered and we're kind of spinning around, you know, we're reacting, you know, that, that makes the relationship in that moment feel super unsafe. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to our conversation that we had about our son's homework and basketball that we were trying to watch, you know, the more I defended myself and probably accused you of being controlling, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I, I imagine that that created an unsafe place for you. So then you're shut down. Now mm-hmm. you're, you know, accusing me well, of whatever. Then I react and all bets are off. We're off to the right. races with that cycle that we all have, our conflict cycle. And when that thing takes off, it doesn't feel safe any longer. And we are then set up as adversaries. We're no longer unified as one. Well, and, and that's why I think if we look at it, how, how do I make it unsafe during conflict for my spouse, keep in mind that I think most people, they often, they try to correct their spouse's behavior or they just try to power through that discussion. And both of those make the relationship feel so unsafe because there's no way when your buttons are triggered, your heart's shut down, you're reacting. Can you ever make that conversation work? Mm -mm. It's it's Mm going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And that makes it feel even more unsafe or I'm trying to change you. Like that night with with our son Garrison, you know, I was wanting you to do something different so Mm -hmm. that I felt better. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what I wanted to do. So if I focus on Aaron, if I get her to change, if I get and talk her into, argue her into doing something different, then all's well because now I feel better. And that... That feels terrible. Well, I mean, you that's feel better, but I don't. And then we're right. disconnected. And so none of those strategies work, but we all have those strategies. Yeah. And so it's really recognizing, gosh, just taking a break, doing some deep breaths and really, you know, going to the Lord and going, wow, I don't know what's going on with me. Help me to figure out what is triggered and getting real clear on what am I feeling and then what's true about me, about my spouse, about our connection. And, you know, and then really settling in and going back and going, hey, can we try that again? That didn't go well. Yeah. And a great verse that you and your spouse could take a look at as it applies to conflict in doing conflict in a more healthier or maybe managing conflict in a better way is Matthew 7, 3 and 5. And we, you know, most of us are familiar. This is the passage that Jesus is basically saying, hey, why do you look at the dust Mm -hmm. in your brother's eye? So the dust in your spouse's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye. Mm -hmm. And then he gives an order. Like he says, first, get the log out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly Mm -hmm. to deal with the dust in your brother's eye. And so I've always looked at that as it pertains to marriage is that I first need to deal with me mm-hmm. and, and my stuff. And really dealing with me means that I need to get my heart back open. Mm-hmm. So if I'm making the, the conversation, Aaron, for you feeling safe because I'm blaming or I'm trying to change you or I'm just powering through this conversation all stirred up and reacting, then then you know getting the log out of my own eye means that, yeah, I've, I've got to, instead of looking at you, focusing on you, mm-hmm. focus on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And make sure that, that I'm doing something that's going to kind of calm me down, de-escalate things. And that usually means I'm turning to the Lord. 
and spending some time praying with him. So it's probably calling it a timeout and saying, Aaron, right yeah. now I'm just I I'm not a place that I can talk. I wish I could have done that that night. Mm-hmm. You know, once once we got into the argument about our son and basketball, and you know he didn't get his project done, it would have been wise for me to recognize that I'm feeling very controlled right now. I probably should take a break. Mm-hmm. And spend some time with the Lord, get my heart back open, and then come to you. Right, totally. Well, Guy and Amber have a great book called Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. And again, that's applying that Matthew 7, 3-5 verse. So if you and your spouse want to learn more about how to manage your triggers, then we'd love to send you a copy for a gift of any amount. Yes, check the link in the show notes for all the details. Now it's time for our Man on the Street segment. Our correspondent, Courtney Requist, went around the ministry here at Focus on the Family to see what they had to say about conflict. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about all the different perspectives that people here at our ministry have. So let's see how they answered the question, what do you do when you and your spouse have a conflict? Carmen, we're going around asking people today, how do you solve conflict with your spouse? Quite a fun question. That is a fun question. So I've been married almost 30 years. Lots of opportunity for conflict resolution, doing it well, doing it in a mediocre manner, and doing it really bad. So my recommendation and what we have found that works for us is sometimes just taking a break from the conflict, walking away, taking a deep breath, and then come back and say, okay, can we try this again? When my wife and I are dealing with some tough issues, sometimes I have to step back and cool off a little bit or think through, okay, what is she thinking? What's the truth? Um, Am I overdoing this? And I have to pray and just say, okay, God, take the conversation from here Um, and just really give it time to let things settle and try to understand my wife better. Sometimes like a steamroller. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Um, but other times I, I have learned through the years that um, my husband and I being different personalities, of course, that I need to just kind of like say, okay, here's the issue. Can we talk about it later? Because he needs time to really just mull it over. Whereas I'm kind of the, let's get in here and get this solved right now. So, you know, just kind of have to have that give and take. There are times when it has to be solved right now because of the urgency, but, you know, learning to be like, okay, I got to give him time and it really isn't all about me, but don't tell anybody I said that. I won't. Okay. Um, so one of the ways that me and my wife, Clara, handle conflict the best is that we kind of take a second to realize, is this a thing that we should address in the moment? Um, or should we maybe take uh, a little bit of time on, on our own to, you know, think about things think through what we want to say before speaking out of turn or maybe speaking too hastily with uh, our thoughts and emotions. Um, And we found that to be really useful because sometimes we could go like a full day without addressing the thing that happened earlier in that day or we address it right in the moment and we get through it. It's okay. But we've we've put ourselves in a spot where either of us kind of respect each other enough to know, okay, now's not the time um, to address this. So we can wait on that and there's, there's trust and we can move forward. Well, the last time we had a conflict, I wrote down all of my concerns, very logically read them, and as he heard it, he heard logic, and he agreed to what 
he thought was, you know, cause of our conflict. And he's done a great job fixing some of those things. So He's so logic-oriented. Are you also very logic-oriented? No, which is why sometimes conflict rises because I can be illogical. But when I am logical, he's much more likely to listen to me. Well, that was fun to hear. All of our colleagues have so much wisdom on managing conflict. I wonder if they listen to the podcast. (laughs) It's exactly what you've always said. Yeah, but it's such wisdom to know, to be aware of, oof, I'm triggered. And when I'm triggered, I'm not safe. I got to step back and really focus on getting my heart back open and slowing things down inside. Because when we're in fight or flight, all, all bets are off. I mean, it's not safe in the relationship. Yeah, and that's really getting the log out of your own eye first, dealing with you, making sure you're open so that you guys can have a good conversation. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. We want to connect with you. We want to hear from you. So go to our website and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail with your question. And if it gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance at no charge is our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Lily from Virginia. And she says, yeah, I feel awful every time that I have a fight with my husband. How can I move past the feelings of discouragement? Mm, that's hard because for some people, conflict has lots of history. And, you know, maybe conflict hasn't gone well. Maybe in their family of origin, conflict was painful. And, you know, so it's it's really important to sit down and recognize that sometimes conflict can actually feel like combat. And bottom line, what I've learned is to recognize that conflict is actually healthy for a relationship. And so in many ways, in those moments going, you know what, if we're doing this in a healthy way, this is really going to benefit us as we're walking through the doorway to intimacy. Yeah, because early in our marriage, I used to get super discouraged around our conflict because it never felt like we resolved anything. Well, we didn't. No, (laughs) but... I think culturally, mm-hmm. we often use this idea of conflict resolution, like mm-hmm. we use that as a phrase, mm-hmm. and it sets an, a totally unrealistic expectation that can lead to a lot of discouragement mm-hmm. because a famous researcher, John Gottman, found that most of the conflicts that we're going to have in marriage is what he calls perpetual. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're dealing with things like personality differences or just different, you know, lifestyle differences. Like I'm a morning person, you're a night mm-hmm. owl. It's not like tomorrow you're going to wake up and, and be different or I'm going to be different. And so the conflicts that come from some of those differences between us, they're just, it's perpetual. So the goal isn't to resolve it, mm-hmm. solve it. It's really to learn how to repair. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wonder, Lily, if maybe part of what's going on is that you're you're thinking we should be moving past some of these. Mm -hmm. Like, why do we keep having what feels like the the perpetual argument? Yeah, well, and it's not that conflict is managed once and for all. Like, that's it. We're never going to have another conflict again. And honestly, that's not healthy for a marriage, for a relationship, because conflict allows us to learn things about 
the individuals as well as the relationship. And so it's not like it's ever going to go away fully. It's all in how we manage it. Right. And in, in either, you know, conflict will show up as combat. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really reacting to each other. We're getting angry. We're withdrawing. We're being sarcastic, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I debate you all the time, you know, mm-hmm. during the midst of conflict, mm-hmm. which, which is more combat mm-hmm. versus how can we deal with healthy conflict? Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't want the combat stuff. I, I want to use conflict, like you're saying, Aaron, as a way to strengthen our marriage. And I think that begins with learning, okay, once we're into conflict, you know, how do we deal with us as individuals? Mm-hmm. Again, I think the misnomer in our culture is we're taught just to power through these conversations. Mm-hmm. And it just never works. Right. It's really learning how do I take a break. Like a lot of our, you know, our, our man on the street interviews. I mean, they were perfect in that sense of just saying, hey, I'd take a break. And then, you know, and what they weren't saying is I deal with me. I get my yes. heart back open. I'm calmed down. Now I'm seeing things clearly. Now we can have that discussion. Well, and it's it's looking at when I manage me, that's what I have control of me. I don't have control of you in conflict or at any point. And so it's taking that power back to really apply it to me because I have full control of me. Yeah. And so Lily, maybe it's having a conversation with your husband outside, outside of an of argument. Outside of conflict, yes. But maybe it's around what what's our goal in conflict? And, and see, are we expecting that we'll have resolution, there'll be solutions? Or is it, you know, our goal really... Now, in our marriage, mm-hmm. is to repair conflict. Mm-hmm. And to we, manage it. Yeah, we just want to, we know that this, a lot of this stuff is perpetual. So if we can repair it in a way mm-hmm. to where we both feel heard, mm-hmm. you know, cared for, mm-hmm. understood, you know, that to me is the win now. And so just take a look at what, what you're hoping and expecting that conflict will present. And, and maybe that will help you to not feel discouraged. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to Lily for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have a question for us, contact us, reach out, go to our website, click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We loved having this conversation about connection and hope that it helps you as you're working on your marriage. Yeah, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help you and your spouse to grow in your relationship. We also want to see you grow in your spirituality as a couple and as individuals, leading to helping to empower you to invest in other couples around you to help them have a thriving marriage. Mm. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. 
Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.